In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello, and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin, and this is a special Broads and Books bonus episode. Today on the Broads Talk Books with, we've got Celia Lasky, author of Under the Rainbow. And Amy recommended her book in episode 71, where we talked about not being ready to make nice. Not ready to make nice. No. That was fun. That was great. Yeah. We got Celia on Zoom, and she told us about her changing book tastes, the books that have inspired her, and her amazing pop culture obsessions. She had us in severe guffaws yeah, by like the end of this. Yeah, on a scale of guffaws, there was like mild, medium, severe. Yes. I'm kind of, kind of mixing the scales, but we were on... Severity severe. was yeah. high. Yeah, the spice level was five. <laughs> spice level? <laughs> it was wonderful, and a sign of where all of our mental health was while recording. Pre-election, pre-second lockdown, you know, pre-now. Pre now, yes. We've put all the books that Celia mentions in the show notes so you can add them to your TBR pile. And now, here's our interview with Celia Lasky. What was your favorite book as a kid or a teen? Did you have one favorite? Did you have multiple favorite? What were, what were your favorites growing up? Um, it's hard to remember what I was reading when I was like pre high school, but mm. I think my favorite book in high school was um, The Great Gatsby by mm. F. Scott Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was the first book where I was really like, oh, this, these are things you can do with sentences. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I was really into John Irving. I read, um, you know, A Prayer for Owen Meany, A Widow for One Year. I remember uh, feeling very, like, salacious reading those sex scenes in my childhood bedroom. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, and who else? John Updike. I read a lot of John Updike. So, you know, a lot of the, the sort of classics, I guess, in mm-hmm. high school. But you found them, you enjoyed them, and you found uh, a way to get into them. Because sometimes I think we've talked about classics that can be difficult to get into. Yeah, I mean, I think I, at the time, I didn't really know that there were other options, you mm-hmm. know? So, yeah. like, if I were to read those books again now, I would probably be like, oh, the white manness of it all, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> But back then I was like, well, you know, this is what there is to read. So I'm perfectly happy to read it. You know, my yeah. horizons were just very um, circumscribed back then. Yeah. So I would actually be interested to see what I would think if I like picked up The Great Gatsby today. Like, mm-hmm. I know that there are some definite queer like undertones going on that yeah. I would probably feel like are overtones these days. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I would be so interested to go back and read what I was reading then and yeah. see how critical I would be of it. Probably very. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that we've talked about or we've heard from listeners particularly is that maybe some of their reading life was stunted at the beginning because they encountered a classic that they were like, I can't relate to this at all. And yeah. so one that we've talked about that we both struggled with was Moby Dick. Do you remember a classic that you struggled with or... Um, I've never read Moby Dick, actually. Don't worry um, about it. Don't, yeah. <laughs> Just skip it. Just skip it. <laughs> A classic that I struggled with. I remember um, Hemingway could sometimes be a little hard to get into. I remember, um, was it The Sun Also Rises, where, I mean, at that age, you literally don't understand that the main character has, like, lost, you know some of his genitals in the Mm -hmm. war and you're like oh why can't these two characters be together what's wrong you know and I think there's just um so much that goes over our heads um when you think about it why are we reading that in high school that's so weird yeah yeah I would be really curious what kinds if they're still teaching all of those books in high school today in like small suburban towns or if they've opened it up a little bit I really really hope that they've opened it up a little bit yeah I had forgot that whole thing I think I was one of those that it just kind of went over my head Mm -hmm. when I read that (laughs) I think our high school our teacher like very thankfully sort of spelled it out for us at one point um but until she said something I I had no idea (laughs) oh my gosh Can you imagine being a teacher and, you know, describing that to a group of adolescents? That doesn't, that doesn't sound good. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? We're just going to skip this book. I changed my mind. We're just not going to read it. Free period. Just, we're done. Yeah. Do you remember uh, around the same age or maybe college or later, were there authors or books that made you want to be a writer? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, from high school to college, I sort of moved on from white men to white women. Well, there you go. (laughs) You know, opened up a tiny little bit. Um, I was so into like Amy Bloom and Alice Munro and um, who else? Um, A Visit from the Goon Squad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Who else? Oh, Ann Beattie. Mm-hmm. Um, basically if, if there was a white woman who wrote short stories, 
I was into her. Uh, so it's so embarrassing, like talking about this stuff because you're just, you know, it's so circumscribed. I read much more widely now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in college, it was definitely like I was really into short stories and I was really into, um, yeah, a lot of the women who were writing short stories at that mm -hmm. time. Thinking about your reading life a little bit now, um, how many books would you say are on your to-be-read pile? And are there a few that you're willing to share that you're excited to get to? Yeah. I always love facial expressions when we I ask do, yeah. this because everyone's like, ah, there's a I lot. I have <laughs> so many. Um, I'm trying to think about the most recent ones. I just finished Luster by Raven Leilani. Mm -hmm. And man, can that woman write a sentence, mm -hmm. like a hilarious specific sentence. Yes. Um, I just started Sugi Bane by Douglas Stewart, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, has been getting all kinds of acclaim. And so far, it's very good. Um, I was just alerted that um, I can now check out the Death of Vivek Oji by Ekweki Amezi. Oh, yeah. um, and I love Freshwater and I love Pet. So I'm really excited to read that one. Um, yeah, those are the ones that are on the top of my mind. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a moment of joy when you get a library notice that your books are in? But they always so come great. at the same time. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh my God, I've got to race through these. Oh, that's the worst. And it always like I get one email and then it's like ding ding. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, it's great, but it's the worst. Like, how am yeah. I going to read all these in this short amount of time? Yeah, I think I've read like two books so far just this week because I'm like trying to get through them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm racing against a um, turning in deadline and I still have like three books to go. So I don't think it's going to happen by Tuesday, but I'm trying. I'm, what are you guys yeah. reading right now? <laughs> I just started Thick, Thick and Other Essays. Oh, I've heard that's trust. really good. Yeah, so far, really interesting. I like mm. it. What about you, Erin? What are you reading? I just started uh, Sarah Vaughn's new, she wrote Anatomy of a Scandal that I really liked. It's fiction. Yeah. yeah. She just came out with one called Little Disasters. That's about kind of a woman going through some postpartum issues. Mm. So, mm -hmm. so far it's been great. Yeah, she's very gripping. Cool. Kind of an easy read in between some other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> a palate cleanser. You need it. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It was needed. Yeah. After the last couple. Yes. Do you have, Celia, do you have a book that has uh, maybe surprised you recently? Mm. I think probably the most surprising book that I've read within the last year-ish is, um, and I don't think I'm pronouncing this correctly. I've heard the author pronounce it, and I know she pronounces it correctly than me, but I can't remember. <laughs> Nama by Sarah Blake. Oh, okay. Either of you read that? Mm -mm. Um, I think it came out like a year or two ago, and it's like a feminist retelling of the Great Flood and Noah's Ark from the perspective of Noah's wife. Oh my God, that sounds um, amazing. It is yeah. wild. Like you, you could never guess the things that are going to happen in this book. Like there's some underwater sex with an angel. Um, <laughs> so I am in. I am in. <laughs> there are like these dream interludes where like the main character is flying around with this bird. Um, and that like there's tons of queerness. It is just... Yeah so fantastically strange. Um, 
yeah, it will right up our alley. Yeah. Yes. It will take you out of this reality, which I think we all need. Yeah. That maybe I'm going to put that to the top of the list and it needs some, you know, anti-reality. Yeah. Yeah. And then (laughs) another book I just read that surprised me, not really in a plot sense, but, um, just sort of like how amazing it was, was, um, how we fight for our lives by Sai Jones. And I know that I'm like, super behind the times on getting to that one, but I don't generally read memoirs. Mm -hmm. And this one just like blew my head off. It was so good. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I would say that one was surprising just by like how much I felt connected to it, whereas I don't normally feel connected to memoirs. And then another one that I feel like not enough people have heard of is Delayed Rays of a Star by Amanda Lee Coe. And it focuses on these three women in Hollywood, um, sort of like throughout the 20th century. Um, Marlene Marlena Dietrich, um, Lenny Reifenstahl, and Anna Mae Wong. And it sort of like sticks to the facts of their life, but then fictionalizes things in, in between. Um, and it's also got some queer stuff going on. And there are chapters that take place um, from characters who are not those, those three main characters. Like one of the chapters even is from the POV of a wolf that's like on a shoot with Lenny Reifenstahl. Um, awesome. And it's, wow. it's really, really surprising really good and it it makes me upset that i didn't like hear more about it because Mm. you know it was just fantastic wow those all sound fantastic yeah yeah now i gotta get on my library right now (laughs) (laughs) how do you normally find book recommendations uh well let's see my best friend abigail she's also a voracious reader and actually for most of my life she's been a person who's recommended books to me. Like back when I was reading John Updike and John Irving, she was the one to recommend those books to me. And um, she's, she's a metal worker. And so she listens to audiobooks all day in her studio while she's like making jewelry, wow. making whatever. So awesome. she just like chugs through books and she'll text me, you know, a couple times a week, just read this one. You know, it was so good. Um, yeah. And we have very much the same tastes. Like we don't really have patience for anything that's like, you know, speaking of my evolution as a reader, we don't really have much patience for like the cishet white, uh, male straight white dudes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so I can always trust that she's gonna, you know, be on the same page in recommending stuff to me. Um, and then Twitter, you know, authors and reviewers that I follow, um, prize nominations, um, and then lists, the dreaded lists, you know, that (laughs) authors are like, oh no, I didn't make X, Y, Z list. Um, but you know, if I'm ever really in the need for something specific, I'll search like best queer books 2020 or like, you know, best books, whatever with, you know, the year, um, and you know you'll find some good lists that way. Mm -hmm. So all kinds of different ways, really. Yeah. 
That's, oh, and um, bookstagrammers. I feel like bookstagrammers are a new way that I get recommendations. Um, I didn't follow a lot of them until my book came out. And then I was like, oh, all these people are tagging me. Like, oh, they've got all these great things that they're reading. So yeah, now I definitely see a lot of books that way too. It's a whole new beautiful world that yeah. we've been dipping into too. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we recommended Under the Rainbow in our last episode. And mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, interesting that you mentioned short stories um, and Jennifer Egan in particular, you know, I, I, I love how this is all separate short stories. Mm-hmm. Were there particular books you think that inspired you in writing your book? Oh, definitely. I think that there were books that not only inspired me, but served as like blueprints, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I was actually writing this book while I was in an MFA program. And so um, in my final year, I was able to design um, a self-study class. Um, And so I, I read a ton of novels and stories, which is like technically what Under the Rainbow is, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, as a way to study, you know, what they were doing and see how I could replicate it. And I would say the ones that ended up being the most useful for me were um, Olive Kittredge by Elizabeth Strout. That was like my Bible Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, when Mm -hmm. writing Under the Rainbow. I just think that that book is so amazing. And I recently read Olive again. So if you haven't read Olive again, it's just as good as Mm -hmm. the original. Agreed. Uh, Yeah. And then um, In Other Rooms, Other Wonders by uh, Danielle Monoyden. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. Hmm. Um, But that was also a novel and stories that um, all sort of center around a Pakistani landowner and all of the people who either like work for them or um, are related to them. And it's very much about like class and, you know, the struggle between the classes and, Mm -hmm. um, all of the stories were very subtle, like to the point sometimes of confusion, especially like mm-hmm. I taught that book to some of my students while I was in my program and they were just like, we have no idea what the <laughs> fuck is happening in any of these stories, you know, like they were so confused and I had to explain to them, you know, sometimes ambiguous endings can be nice, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. good to sort of wonder what exactly the author was doing. Um, and then the other one was The Imperfectionists by Tom Rockman. Um, and that's another book that I feel like not many people have heard of. Um, but it tells the story of all the people who work for an English language newspaper that's based in Rome. Um, and yeah, each chapter just really delves into each character. And that one was also really good. Excellent. Wow. These all sound terrific. Um, It reminds me of, we talked to Julia Phillips uh, a while Mm. back and her sort of novel and stories. And it's such a unique um, way of, uh, you know, telling a story and hearing from all these different people and and getting a, you know, a sum that's potentially greater than the parts. Yeah, I feel like it's what young writers especially do because we're only ever taught to write short stories. Yeah. But then as soon as you enter the publishing world, everyone knows that short stories don't really sell. So they're like, hmm, how can we have this writer who only knows how to write short stories publish something that people will buy? A novel and stories, you know? So I definitely came up with the idea on the book based on that sort of like limitation that I didn't feel um, 
capable at that point in my life of writing a novel that was like from the care from the perspective of one character sort mm. of like linear in time um so yeah i think that's why you do see so many novels and stories especially from young writers but i'll probably return to that form again at some point uh yeah i mean i think that you know you may be discounting yourself because I think that, you know, it's, it's such a unique way if you're able to draw a through line through the stories versus, mm. you know, just have a collection of stories and disparate stories. Yeah. And we've done enough reading lately. It seems like if we've hit a few of those where there was, you know, a novel and stories and it's almost hard to go back to a novel because afterwards, because I'm yeah. like, no, wait, I want to know what everyone's thinking and doing. Mm-hmm. Like, how about mm-hmm. we find out about that guy over there? Yeah. So yeah. I, it's great. Yeah. Um, well, we like to ask five questions of everyone that kind okay. of a top five. Um, what would you say has been your most memorable fan interaction? Well, it could be weird, funny, whatever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that um, I've had anyone approach me in real life about the book. I've gotten like some really nice messages on the internet about it. Nothing too memorable. I did meet Garth Greenwell recently. Mm. I went to a reading that he did at Skylight. And I mean, there was nothing especially special about it but it was just really nice for me to meet him because he's one of the writers that I've really admired for a long time and I think he's just one of like the greatest thinkers of our time Mm -hmm. (laughs) probably he just has um such a interesting worldview and you know to just sit there and listen to him talk for an hour was like very mind expanding um so it it was really nice to get to meet him I agree. I watched him um, speak, I think, at uh, AWP um, in 2019. And just the way that he speaks and, you know, of course, very thoughtful, but also just sort of calming, too. Mm -hmm. It was very, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Who, besides Garth, was there anyone else that you wanted to meet, other authors, other writers, um, and that you got to meet? I met Brandon Taylor recently, also at Skylight. Um, Uh Uh-huh. And he, I follow him on Twitter, you know, and he's just such a personality. So it was also really lovely to meet him. Um, But I would say that um, there are still a lot of people that I would like to meet that I haven't. Um, I think this year has gotten in the way. Exactly. I was just going to say this pandemic has probably curtailed, um, you know, those ways I would have to meet a lot of other authors um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, this Under the Rainbow is my first book. And so I feel like this year would have been kind of my first opportunity to meet a lot of other writers. Yeah. Did you have events planned that were canceled because of that? Well, we did the local one in LA. It was like the week before things got really bad. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my wife and I actually were talking about the other day, the fact that that event was even held, you know, and that like, I hugged my friends as they showed up, you know, and like, we ate a cracker pack on the way home. And like, you know, put some sloppily put some hand sanitizer on our san- on our hands and we're like, ah, and ate the crackers. You know? <laughs> After I had signed like, you know, 25 to 50, <laughs> like touching all of these things and just mm-hmm. ate the crackers, you know, so it was really <laughs> surreal to look back and just remember what life used to be like before you had all of these things that you have to be worrying about. This constant crushing anxiety. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How would you say that your uh, reading life has changed since you became a published author? Mm. 
I feel like there are books that I read now, um, sort of sometimes out of a sense of obligation almost. It's like, <laughs> oh, well, that writer told me that they really liked my book and they have a book that's mm-hmm. come out around the same time. So I should definitely read that book so that I can, you know, say something nice back to them. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's definitely a little bit more of a sense of that. Um, and then I think I'm also just a little bit more aware that came out this year in a way that I haven't been in previous years um, because, you know, you're looking at all of these lists that you have or have not been featured on um, and, you know, you just become a little bit more involved with all of the other people who are writing these books. Um, so, yeah, I would say it's it's more of a blend of, like, books that I want to read and books that I feel like I should read at this point. Whereas in the past, it was more like I was just reading whatever I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the books that I feel like pressured into reading end up being wonderful books that I really enjoy, you know, but it's definitely like more of that now. You're being a good literary citizen. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> yes. <That's>, yeah. <laughs> do you have, you know, thinking of um, some of your favorite books, perhaps, do you have a book that you think everyone should read? Yeah, I feel like, um, at least for me, the book that I feel like is the most perfect possible form of a book is Edinburgh by Alexander Ooh. G. Um, I just feel like on every level that book is as close to perfection as you can get. And especially like for queer people, I would say Mm -hmm. it's like a really quintessential book that you've got to read. Um, and then over the course of this pandemic, I've sort of gone on an expedition to educate myself about history in a way that, um, I probably would not have done before this pandemic, but it's just like, what else am I going to do? <laughs> um, and history was always sort of like a hard subject for me when I was younger. I just felt like I never really retained anything in the mm-hmm. way that I wanted to. Um, so I read A People's History of the United States and um, Stamped from the beginning. And I would say that those two books drastically changed the way I think about this country and the way I think about our history. And I think if there's anyone who's even slightly inclined to, um, you know, learning the truth of this country, read those two books. And I feel like if enough of the population could read those books and could know all the facts that are contained in them, we would, we would all want a different type of government, Mm -hmm. you know, like it, it would get us to that point where we would all be like, dissatisfied enough with this system that we have. So don't get me started. I could go on for ages <laughs> about those two books. You know, it's like, interesting. You mentioned the people's history, Howard Zinn. He has mm-hmm. an Instagram account, the Zinn Education Project, where mm-hmm. it's them going into schools and trying to teach, you know, the real history. And of course, facing so much pushback. And it's, it's a really interesting account. Oh, it might be one be you want to follow. Yeah. Yeah, because the amount that we are just straight up lied to mm-hmm. in classrooms throughout the course of our lives is maddening. You know, it's just, so and I know, I know the reason why, you know, it's very obvious why, but like if, if we could have read a people's history in high school, 
how, how different our understanding of the world would have been, you yeah. know, and I probably would have retained a lot more because it's, it's so much more interesting when you know the, the actual truth as opposed to like, you know, the whitewashed winner's version. Yeah. <laughs> and much more personal. It felt like, you know, real yes. people versus just a list of presidents that, you know, everyone says are great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are all these heroes that turned out to be, you know, not so pretty much. despicable people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Well, at the end of each episode, we talk about some of our favorite pop culture obsessions at the time. Ah. What's your current pop culture obsession? Oh, man, this is another one where you're probably just going to have to cut me off at some point. Because <laughs> Bring it on. Let's I hear it. Go and go and go. <laughs> um, so a movie I watched recently that was so amazing was Wild Nights with Emily. Um, it, Molly Shannon is yeah. the star. And it was Ooh. sort of like an indie, sort of under the rainbow under the rainbow <laughs> under the radar movie um all about nice book emily. Plug. i like yeah that. i like yeah. that that was good mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very slick um it's all about emily dickinson and sort of blowing up again talking about how history just you know creates these lies that we are just fed over and over um you know we we're told that emily dickinson was this unloved rec recluse you know that you know, she just like hung out alone in her house and never had a relationship. But actually, she was just a lesbian. Mm -hmm. She just was having a relationship with um, this woman from like her adolescence. And then this woman decided to marry Emily's brother <gasps> as a way to stay close to Emily. <gasps> and so they, they lived literally next door to each other in neighboring houses. And Emily and her lover, you know were together their whole lives and you oh know my gosh had just found this way to be together that um and the people who documented emily dickinson's life did not acknowledge it was not. very clear that they were together i mean many of her poems her lover's name was even in these poems and they were like erased you know um so it was just really um fascinating and hilarious to you know see wow. all of this laid out for us so definitely that mm -hmm. um music wise i feel like this isn't anything special but i basically depending on my mood go from folklore by taylor swift to uh future <laughs> nostalgia by dua lipa so depending oh, mm -hmm. yeah if yes. i'm in like a decent mood i'm probably listening to future nostalgia and if i'm like leaning toward depression i'm listening to folklore so mm -hmm. probably mm -hmm. have been listening to folklore a little bit more <laughs> lately um but yeah those albums are just like everything this past year um, I don't know if this counts as pop culture, but um, fast food. I love fast food. <laughs> <laughs> and I recently discovered the quesarito. Have you ever had a quesarito? <laughs> I don't think I've had the pleasure. Uh -huh. What is a quesarito? Okay, yeah. so this is a Taco Bell item. Okay, as if you didn't know. <laughs> yeah. um, but is it is a burrito wrapped in a quesadilla? Oh boy! So you've got the cheesy goodness of the quesadilla <laughs> encasing 
also some of the cheese that's in the burrito. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It's really just, it's really just a cheese vehicle. Uh, I get the black bean version and it's um, disturbing how often my wife and I get Taco Bell delivered to our door via Uber Eats because like we don't want to go out and get it ourselves. That is probably the most telling um, sign of where you are at, you know, emotionally, mentally, everything. How many quesaritos per week are you eating? (laughs) And just measure your depression per that number. I think that's the best answer we've ever had to the pop culture question. (laughs) I don't know if it counts, but I love fast food. (laughs) I say it does. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it does fall under pop culture. Yes. I feel like if it's fast food, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Especially Taco Bell. Yeah. 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 That's like the, yeah, definition of pop culture food. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know they had that, but. (laughs) Well, get on it. Get on it. It is delicious. And then maybe one more. Yeah, Yeah, please. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Tegan and Sarah um, did this Instagram live for a while called um, Where the Good Grows, um, which is sort of a pun on one of their song titles. Mm -hmm. And it's because Sarah has like a garden in her backyard that she's very obsessed with and very particular about. And so the premise of this Instagram live is that they talk about Sarah's garden and sort of like tour through the garden. But of course they end up, you know, talking about a bunch of other things. So they'll sort of like start out one of the episodes where like Sarah's showing us her, her new power tools, you know, like some new fancy (laughs) lawnmower that she's got. And then they segue into like one of them talking about their night chores that they do before they go to bed every night, you know, and two of them are just, I feel like some of the most particular idiosyncratic people that are like known to us mm-hmm. I would love to just do a character study about <laughs> the two of them because they are just so interesting to me so I just you read their book um I forget what it was called high school but yes did you read it's, that it's on my tbr okay yeah <laughs> I haven't yeah. read it yet, but I was intrigued. Yeah. I heard it was really, really good. And I, mm-hmm. I'm not surprised because they're such introspective people, you know? Um, and yeah, that really reminds me. I've got to move that to the top. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, if you're going to Instagram live, that sounds like the way to do it. Yeah. And they, they put all of the archived episodes up on YouTube so you can, you know, watch them mm-hmm. from the past. So if you're interested in Tegan and Sarah at all, Mm-hmm. Highly recommend. I mean, they should also awesome. order Uber Eats and a quesarito <laughs> to their Instagram Live and get some free Taco Bell goodness. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like neither of them, they, like they were talking about e- trying to eat healthy on one of these things, That's you know, so I feel like maybe they wouldn't be down, but uh, I think it you bad? should do that. Don't let them <laughs> steal your publicity chance. I think you do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, I am so willing to be like a brand, uh, what do you call it? Like a brand ambassador or just like pimp myself out on social media for brands. You should. And I know they don't do that with writers, but it's like, use me, like give me money. I'll talk about the quesarito. I'll talk about (laughs) honestly anything you want me to talk about, you know, just it could be a plot point in your next book too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean the search for the quesarito. Yeah. I also saw, uh, you know, one last note I saw on your website that you have a dog named Whiskey. 
Um, what's, what's he been up to lately? Well, he's sleeping right at the end of the bed right Mm now. Um, Mm -hmm. he's gotten super used to us never leaving the house. Mm. Um, so my wife and I were thinking about journeying out to a beach this weekend for the first time, like since the start of the pandemic, I don't know if it's going to be successful, but Mm -hmm. we like, texted our dog's babysitter and we were like, can you hang out with him for the afternoon? Because I really think that he would explode if we were gone from this house for more than like an hour. You know, he Mm. just has not been used to it at all. Yeah, Mm -hmm. He would think you had died probably for that long amount of time. Yeah. So he's, you know, He's just, he's probably living his best life right now because we're (laughs) always around. We're so bored that we're playing with him all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'd like to be in his brain right about now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that could be a way to shill for Taco Bell too. I mean, if you have a cute dog Mm. and you're talking about quesaritos all the time, that could Mm. be a power combination right there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm going to reach out to them. Okay. Really consider me. <laughs> well, I'm glad we. Yeah, I'm glad we helped you find your future path. Mm. And, yeah, forget the yeah. books. <laughs> it's all about Taco Bell influencing now. Taco Bell influencing. Oh boy. Well, Celia, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. This was a really nice uh, break in the day. Excellent. Oh, Aaron. I think just the Taco Bell part of the discussion was was, something that's going to stick with me for a long time. I, no one has answered that question that way. Uh Uh-uh. And, and I, I love it. loved it and yeah. I delighted in it. Mm-hmm. And I still think it's the best answer I've ever heard. Yeah. And I hope she gets a deal. I hope she does. Talk I about want her to shill for it forever. Do it. Yeah. And we're glad, you know, that we helped her find that path. Yes. Also, I think maybe going forward in our pop culture picks, we need to start picking food. That's not a bad idea. Right? Oh, my God. It's opening up. The world is opening up to us. It'd be a good way to get some sponsorships. Oh, <clears throat> Reese's, Reese's pieces. pieces. We're still coming after you. <laughs> Maybe just every episode, I just need to say something about Reese's Pieces so we can just get there. Just, you yeah. Know, just hammer oh, That'd it be in. like a fun listener scavenger oh, yeah. hunt. When Ooh, is she, when is she going to work she gonna it gonna in? When is she going to mention it? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Yeah. I love her enthusiasm for pop culture because yes. I can relate. And yes. it was great. She was so excited. She had so multiple excited. things ready to talk about. She was in it. Yes, yeah. I mm-hmm. loved that. Loved it. I like too that, you know, we talked a little bit about novels in stories and how it, mm. it you know, there, there's quite a lot in that area that's, that's just so gripping. It's so great. And it's what, it's how she formed her novel. And, you know, she loves them. She writes them. It was a, it was a fun discussion. Yeah, it was a great discussion. Mm. I also really appreciate that she also suffers from mm-hmm. library notification anxiety. Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes you're like, oh, no. Yeah. So many books just came so in. So many books came in. And it's what the feeling of like, oh, yay, I'm swimming in books. But also, oh, oh shit, I got to read, read all these books. Yes. Yes. Oh, she nailed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she really did. That's for sure. Well, guess what? We will be back next Wednesday with our regular weekly themed episodes. But in the mid, in the do the yeah, jazz, jazz. 
In the meantime, you can head to our website, bradsandbooks.com. Check out all of these episodes. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our website, YouTube. We got a YouTube channel. We do. Happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they are coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D, Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.